Hi, everybody. This is Jimmy DeYoung. I'm in Washington, D.C., actually the capital of the political world, and it is the nerve center of what is happening in this world. We have a temporary studio set up here in order to be able to do our 90-minute program, which, of course, I invite you to listen to. So you can take advantage of what our broadcast partners are bringing to the broadcast table, assisting you to be able to understand the current events in light of biblical prophecy. Our team is down here in Washington for the purpose of producing our next DVD documentary entitled The United States in Bible Prophecy. We're going to have a great time. I'll tell you more about it as we go through the program. I want you to pray for us as we do this production. It is key, I believe, because that question, where is the United States in Bible prophecy, is the most asked question. When I open up the floor, if I'm at a church or whatever speaking venue I may be, and I ask people to tell me what's their number one question. Number one, all the time, where is the United States in Bible prophecy? Now, I'm not going to tell you that today. You're going to have to wait till we produce the video, and we want you to purchase it. But it's going to be very informative. You can make sure of that. Well, we're going to get to our broadcast partners across the world. We're going first to Ken Timmerman. We find him still in southern France. I'll ask him if he's finished the olive harvest. Uh, But we're going to talk to Ken about geopolitical activities that, as I said, are setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. A lot of important subjects to talk about, Ken, but first I've got to find out about the olive harvest. How's that going? Well, olive harvest is finished. We had a record crop this year, 450 kilos. It was really great. And I'm going to be up in Paris over the weekend with President Trump as he is there to uh, celebrate the 100th anniversary of Victory in Europe Day, the end of World War I. You hear that, folks? Our guy who is key in our broadcast team, we're going to have a representative right there in Paris where President Trump will be to celebrate what has been going on in Europe over many, many years. Ken, you are amazing. You're, where is happening? We're so grateful for you giving us some time to be able to find out about these activities. Let me talk about what President Trump did this last Monday. He implemented, again, re-implemented, I should say, the sanctions on Iran. Meanwhile, in Russia... Vladimir Putin sent an envoy to the area in Iran as that was happening. What do we know about that story? Well, the U.S. has reimposed these sanctions that were lifted by President Obama as part of the failed Iran deal. They are aimed at preventing Iran from selling oil on the international market and from gaining access to international financial markets as well. The State Department has urged the administration to grant temporary waivers to some of Iran's biggest clients, oil clients, so China and Hong Kong and Turkey and India in particular will get temporary waivers while they find other suppliers. But Washington has has insisted that this is just a temporary measure. The Russians, as you say, are very upset with that. They sent a top envoy, Lemertov, to Tehran for talks with the Iranian regime the very day that the sanctions were reimposed, November 4th. And uh, the Russians are vowing to 
gain international support against the United States to violate the sanctions, which they are calling illegal. So we're seeing an, an increased tension here between Russia and the United States, Russia and Israel as well, which uh, we're going to talk about in a minute. But things have changed significantly over the past two weeks as the sanctions go back into place and as the tension increases between Russia and Israel. Now, that Russian envoy was not the only visitor there in Iran. Louis Farrakhan, who heads up the Nation of Islam here in the United States, was there, made some very provocative statements, and from that location he warned President Trump against reinstituting these sanctions. But at the same time, he warned the United States not to attack Iran and start a Middle Eastern war because some of the players you've already mentioned, China and Russia, may be coming quickly to the Middle East to get involved in that war. Is that a serious statement that he's making? Well, it was an interesting statement for Farrakhan to make, and he was saying that any U.S. engagement in a war in the Middle East at the, quote, insistence of Israel, which the U.S. has no intention of doing, by the way, but such a war would trigger a broader war, a war that would include Russia, China, and all the nations of the world. Uh, Farrakhan uh, is a bit of an apocalyptic thinker. He's an Islamist, as we know. He was in Iran to support them politically. He's 85 years old, still heads the nation of Islam, so does still have influence here in the United States. But he's always been an outlier in terms of U.S. politics and an embarrassment to the people that he supported and who've supported him. We learned not too long ago that Barack Obama, when he was a state senator in Illinois, was cozying up to Farrakhan, got himself photographed with him in 2005 when he was a first-term United States senator, and yet later tried to suppress the photograph, uh, kept it from being publicized until after he left the White House. So Farrakhan is, is an interesting character. He has influence behind the scenes. He does have significant influence in the black community and the Muslim communities in the United States. He is an Israel hater, an anti-Semite, a notorious anti-Semite, but also somebody who believes in the prophetic future, and he believes that a U.S. involvement with Israel in a war in the Middle East would set off a world war. Absolutely, and that's what the Bible says. I love that phrase you used in describing Farrakhan, that he was an apocalyptic thinker. That is exactly what we see setting up there as these activities continue to unfold. Well, let's stay on Russia just for a moment. The United States is urging Russia to allow resumptions of the Israeli airstrikes in Syria because Israel has to protect their people and their state. Well, that's right. And this follows the Russian uh, warning to Israel last week, which they reiterated again this week with the envoy, the Russian envoy who visited Tehran. They warned Israel not to attack Iranian targets any longer inside Syria. So the State Department, the U.S. State Department, is now getting involved. You had Mike Pompeo at the very top talking about this. You have the U.S. envoy to Syria, James Jeffries, a, a former U.S. ambassador to Iraq, among other things. Also, also making a statement after visiting with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu earlier this week. Uh, he said on Wednesday that the United States hopes that Russia will continue its, quote, permissive approach 
towards Israeli airstrikes in Syria. Right now, the Russians are not continuing that permissive approach, and the Israelis are getting quite steamed about it, and in public are warning the Syrians if they use the S-300 air defense missiles uh, against Israeli aircraft, and specifically against civilian aircraft, which they could. Those missiles can reach civilian airliners inside Israel. Israel would retaliate very strongly with military force. Ken, we don't have the final solution or the answer to how it all came about. The Khashoggi murder there in the consulate in Istanbul, Turkey, of this journalist and supposedly Saudi Arabia behind the whole thing. Turkey playing a pretty interesting role. At the same time, Mohammed bin Salman, who is the crown prince there in Saudi Arabia, we don't know how it's going to turn out for him as well. Talk to us about these two players, Mohammed bin Salman there in Saudi Arabia and Tayyip Erdogan in Turkey. What's all going to play out in this? Well, the interesting thing is a couple of things. First of all, the Turks clearly are, are using this murder for their own political advantage to embarrass the Saudis. Erdogan is in a match to besmirch the Saudis with as much liquid excrement as he can possibly garner, and the Saudis are trying to defend themselves. Now, Mohammed bin Salman seems to be coming out of this uh, pretty well. People had been surmising that he would be negatively impacted. He might even be reprimanded by his father, the king of Saudi Arabia. Just the contrary. He has now been put in charge of reorganizing Saudi intelligence. And this, after some sources claim that it was Saudi intelligence officers under his command who carried out this murder in Istanbul. So it's interesting to see this. He seems to have landed on his feet as a result of this very embarrassing, deadly incident, unforgivable incident, something that never should have happened. And now he's, quote, reorganizing Saudi intelligence. Uh, I think you're going to see increased tensions between Saudi and uh, Turkey, and I don't think you're going to see the Saudis forgiving Erdogan very quickly for spreading a lot of disinformation. Uh, even President Trump noted this publicly this past week. He says there have been a lot of lies put out there by the Turks as to what actually happened. Ken, this is a big subject. We'll have to come back to it later. China and India seem to be driving the world's nuclear power production growth, and it looks like they're going to be major players in the future as it relates to that. Yes, the the uh, the, the uh, Chinese and uh, India have a huge uh, nuclear power program underway. They see nuclear power as the future. Both of them would like to master the technology. They are turning to Europe for proliferation uh, safe. Uh, uh, reactors, reactors that will not give uh, the recipient the possibility of recycling the fuel and making nuclear weapons. Uh, nuclear energy is clean energy. The technology is new in Europe. They have enhanced technology. This is actually a good news story. And we will stay on top of this story because they are a part of the kings of the east, Revelation chapter 16, verse 12, that come into Jerusalem just prior to the return of Jesus Christ. The man who covers the world for us, and he travels the world as well, Ken Timmerman. We're so grateful for all that he does for us here on Prophecy Today. Have a safe trip up to Paris, Ken, and thank you so much. We'll talk again next week. Thank you, Jimmy. Always a pleasure. God bless. Our guy who is key in our broadcast team, we're going to have a representative right there in Paris where President Trump will be to celebrate what has been going on in Europe over many, many years. We're going to take a break when we come back. It's a Middle East news update. 
David Dolan standing by. It's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. Once again, Prophecy Today presents the School of Prophets Conference, December 10th through the 13th at the Spring Hill Suites Hotel, along the shores of the beautiful Tennessee River in downtown Chattanooga, Tennessee. Join Dr. Jimmy DeYoung as he personally walks you through the Bible and helps you discover important prophetic passages from every book of the Old Testament. Dr. DeYoung will also look at the prophetic passages in the New Testament from the book of Acts right through the book of Jude. Dave James will present graphics and PowerPoint design with a special emphasis on teaching aids for pastors and Bible teachers. This course is great for pastors, teachers, secretaries, and IT professionals as you learn basic principles of graphic design, focusing on composition, color, typography, and imaging. These meetings are more intimate because they're smaller in nature. There will be time for Q&A with the teachers and fellowship with participants. For more information, call 423-821-3635. How do you like your news? You know, Jimmy, folks are listening to the news every single day, but sometimes they're getting that liberal bent, and we want them to have a different look at the news. Jay, that's correct. I have listened to ABC, CBS, and NBC when I returned from Jerusalem back to the United States, having just witnessed a news event in the Middle East, and hear the commentators over here speaking something almost different. That's why I write the Until Newsletter, and it takes the leading news stories of the month. I give the absolute truth behind all the details in those headlines, and then we look at it from a prophetic perspective. I want to give you the insight from God's Word as to how the political is setting the stage for the prophetic to be fulfilled. And Jay's going to give you the phone number how you can get your free copy of Until the Prophecy Newsletter. Just give us a call at 8-PROPHECY-8. That's 877-674-3298. Hi, everybody. Jimmy DeYoung here at Broadcast Central, not in Chattanooga, but in Washington, D.C., the nerve center for the political world. And we're here to produce a new documentary, which is going to be entitled The United States in Bible Prophecy. We were over at the White House yesterday. By the way, as I was walking up to the White House, you might have seen a tweet put out by Snoop Dogg, He was standing there, actually sitting on a bench, and they were doing some filming. So I stopped instead of going across a front of him. And uh, when I stopped, he said, no, no, come on walking. You'll make the video look better. And I turned a little bit uh, sarcastically and said, well, I am pretty good looking, aren't I? And he said, yeah, and especially that hairdo. It's amazing. (laughs) And it went viral. So a little side story, some of the inside baseball as we're doing this production here in Washington. Pray for us as we put it together. By the way, I did not use Snoop Dogg in the video. But instead, went to the White House, went over to the Capitol building, went over to Jefferson Memorial, had just a very great day of production yesterday. And uh, we want you to be able to anticipate getting a copy of this and learning from the Word of God 
as we produce it here in Washington, up at Plymouth Plantation in Boston, in Massachusetts, and also at the end of the week we go over to New York City. Just asking you now to pray for our production as we put it all together. Well, let me get to David Dolan. Uh, David, a lot to talk about in the Middle East. That's where you are knowledgeable of what's going on. The Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, has hailed the historic Iran sanctions. In fact, I bet he is happy about the reimposing of the sanctions on Iran. Well, he is, Jimmy, but I think I've stated before that Israel would be happiest if Iran were its friend and that it were not declaring that it would destroy Israel every other moment and making all these sorts of statements. We had the the Nation of Islam leader, Louis Farrakhan, in Tehran this week saying that Israel is goading the United States into a war with Russia and over Syria, and, you know, the tensions remain very, very high. But the oil sanctions definitely are crippling Iran, and, of course, the Israelis are happy in the sense that they hope this will eventually lead to a moderation in Iran's policy. But in the meantime, the developments on the ground certainly don't look like that, Jimmy. And we have this Pentagon communique, hardly reported in the world, by the way, last Sunday. It came out on a Sunday, revealing that F-22 Raptors had been flying deep into Syria, as the statement said, and that they had tested what was called enemy fighters and surface-to-air missile systems, well, enemy fighters, that would be Syrian, Iranian, and Russian jets that are all operating in Syrian territory. The F-22s flew deep into the territory, said the statement, to test this. Well, the Israelis are said to be counting on these U.S. planes to open the skies again once more for them to fly into Syria and hit Iranian targets and do this sort of thing. That came after uh, the president's special envoy, James Jeffries, said that Russia had been permissive, he said, in consultation with the Israelis about Israeli strikes against Iranian targets in Syria. And he said, we hope that that approach will continue. Well, this came one day after the Pentagon announced that the Raptors have been there. So, you know, again, the Israelis are glad that the United States is standing much more with them. It's clear that the Trump administration is much more supportive of Benjamin Netanyahu and is indeed ready, apparently, to engage in combat against Russia, even if needed, certainly Iran and Syria, if needed, and that to allow the Israelis to once again operate over the Syrian skies. Again, Jimmy, they don't want to be up there. They want to be at home. They want quiet. They want peace. Uh, they don't like to see the Iranian people suffer, which they are suffering uh, once again under these sanctions. Uh, so happy isn't the right word, but they are content. They are reassured, let's put it that way, that the U.S. is on Israel's side as we uh, could be on the very uh, steps of a major war in the region. You know, as we talk about this scenario, I kind of understand much better now an opinion piece that I read from one of the Israeli papers that the terrorists are smelling blood and is basically was looking at the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, but it's looking at Syria and Iran and Russia and on down the line, is it not, as it relates to the smelling of blood, uh, the Israeli blood that they want to destroy ultimately? 
Well, Jimmy, they're all intertwined, basically because Iran has intertwined them. They have come to the aid of Hamas and especially Islamic Jihad in the Gaza Strip. And as we've been talking about, these six and a half months of violence, mainly inspired by Iran, they are the ones that fund and continue to arm the Hezbollah major militia force, really a small army in Lebanon, and uh, as we've been talking about, upgrading their rockets to precision-guided rockets. They're the ones that are in Syria, aiding the Syrian regime against its enemies, and uh, meanwhile moving forces to the south, moving their allied Iraqi Shiite forces to the uh, western border with Syria, not far from Israel. This is the area, by the way, Jimmy, that Israeli reports said this week that Russian special op forces have showed up once again. They were pulled out of the country, supposedly, by Vladimir Putin early this year. Uh, once again, they're back with the Syrian army. That's a threat to Israel. So they all seem to be smelling blood there. And, Jimmy, I'm hearing that after this international gathering this Sunday for the 100th anniversary of the end of World War One, that is the period after that where uh, an explosion could occur in the region. They didn't want to do anything, I've been told, before this international gathering, especially since Vladimir Putin, uh, Donald Trump, and Benjamin Netanyahu will all be attending the ceremonies in Paris, along with many, many others. Of course, the Russians canceled a meeting between Putin and Netanyahu that was thought to take place at that meeting. They said that will not happen, so the relations between Israel and Russia continue to sour. The tensions are high, and boy, everybody seems to be smelling blood. Again, the Israelis don't want this. They don't want violence from Gaza. They don't want forces gathering in the north. Uh, from uh, various countries, but uh, this is the reality, and they have to deal with it. And once again, they are very glad that they have a leader in the United States that seems to understand their situation and be willing to stand with them. Although, boy, you can you can just predict the uproar in America that will happen if the U.S. does back Israel strongly. There will be a lot of opposition to that from the Democrats and others, I'm afraid. As a student of Bible prophecy, both David and I are students of Bible prophecy, I can see a scenario playing out to fulfill all of the pre-written history, basically, by the ancient Jewish prophets of what's going to happen in the very near future, as far as we're concerned, where the Jews are going to be killed, many of them. It says in Zechariah chapter 13, verse 8, two out of every three Jews will be killed. That will be worse than the Holocaust during World War II. But there is a statement now coming out of a think tank in Israel and from the rabbis. I've been hearing the rabbis talking about it, that replacement theology is the crux or the foundation or the basis for all of anti-Semitism on the growth, i.e. the recent attack at the synagogue there in Pittsburgh, attacks on the Jewish community and synagogues in the European Union. David, you have lived so long in Israel. I'm sure you've run into those who are into replacement theology. Just give a, a quick statement about replacement theology, and do you think this is a part of the plan for the end times coming together? Well, Jimmy, it basically says that the church replaced the Jewish people, that Christians replaced the Jewish people in God's plans and purposes. He no longer wants a sovereign Jewish nation. He's no longer favoring them as his chosen people, this sort of thing. 
This has uh, been taught really since Constantine in ancient Rome declared himself a Christian and started to move the church away from its Jewish roots. You could say that Islam has a replacement theology, but they don't acknowledge that the Jews were ever fully God's people. They say they did have prophets and that, but the aim was to bring Muhammad in, and so now the Muslims are the top dog and the Jews are no longer anything at all. So this did lay the basis for a lot of actions over history. It still is in existence. It's still taught in many uh, Christian colleges and seminaries today, and it definitely has uh, led to anti-Semitism and played a big role in the rise of Hitler, as it will, I believe, in the rise of the final world leader that you and I know as the Antichrist and the Bible calls the Antichrist. And this is so true in the light of the fact that this world's becoming the stage where the end-time scenario will be played out, all the actors moving into place, everything about to begin as foretold in the prophetic Word of God. David, thank you so much for your insight as it relates to replacement theology and how we need to stand with the Jewish people because God does have a plan for them. But your entire report on the Middle East, very informative. We always appreciate it so much. Thank you, my good buddy, and uh, we'll talk again next week. Glad to do it, Jimmy. God bless. We're going to take a break, and when we come back... I've got John Rood who's standing by. He has a European Union update for us. That's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. Every believer needs to understand Bible prophecy. Whether you're a novice or a student, we are here to help you. Just visit prophecytoday.com and click on the link for the Prophecy Bookstore. There you will find a large selection of CD sets, DVDs, and books for the Bible prophecy student written by Dr. Jimmy DeYoung and other prominent scholars. While you're there, be sure to check out Dr. DeYoung's latest series called Presidents, Politics, and Prophecy. This series examines how God has used human leaders in general and specifically the last seven U.S. presidents to set the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. This was shot on location in Washington, D.C. and is available on DVD or as a 10-hour audio series on CD. Be sure to check back often for special deals. You can visit prophecytoday.com and click on Bookstore, or you can go directly to prophecybookstore.com. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung, Temporary Studios, right here in Washington, D.C. Remember at the top of the broadcast, we talked about the fact that our team is here in Washington. We are producing our next DVD documentary, which is entitled The United States in Bible Prophecy. We're going to have some great information for you talking about the United States. Where do they fit into Bible prophecy? Or maybe they don't. Well, you need to be able to get this video to find out the answer. You may be surprised as how the United States, the Lord, will use in Bible prophecy. Please pray for us as we're here in Washington producing this project. 
Let's get now to the European Union, a key region of the world. We had our Middle East news update already, and uh, we've looked around the world with geopolitical activities. But a major region of this world, prophetically, would be the European Union, the infrastructure for the revived Roman Empire. The man that we use to deal with a report from the European Union is John Rood. He has lived in Brussels for a number of years, and he is now available to us. So glad to have him along. By the way, we closed out last week's broadcast, John, by asking about the, or announcing about the wedding of your son. How did the wedding go down in Florida? Thank you. That all went very well. One of the best weddings I've ever been at, and just a blessing in every way. Well, I'm sure that uh, you're a little bit prejudiced there. One of the best weddings that you've ever been at. I would be the exact same way about one of my children as well. Let's get to the subjects at hand, John, if you will, with me. What about France is ready to offer the Israeli-Palestinians a peace plan should the United States plan produced by Donald Trump and his team not be able to work? France is uh, trying to play a key role in the world today, isn't it? Exactly. This really uh, necessitates a closer look to examine some of the motives and how things have operated in the past. We have the French president, Emmanuel Macron, saying that the U.S. does not come up quickly with their comprehensive peace plan, which is for the Middle East, which is planned to be announced sometime soon, that they would go ahead and sort of unilaterally go ahead and make talks with Israeli authorities. The timing of this seems to be a bit questionable. And we have, on several fronts, the president of France is taking advantage of the German Chancellor Merkel's weakness, and there's a sort of political vacuum that has been created. And so he is jockeying for position, we can say, on these fronts, and this would certainly be one of them. The truth of the matter is he would not come up with anything that's new. The EU stand is basically to have a two-state solution, but they don't do anything about it. Therefore, what comes up is basically a show of position, but it actually shows that the European Union, again, displaying this fragmentation, and France is wishing to go it alone. So I would interpret this uh, mainly in the sense that the pres- President Macron is simply trying to show a position, stand up, and use the same rhetoric as before, but presenting himself more as the leader. Well, he's in the news as it relates to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. But also, John, I am reading that he is pushing for a true European Union army. Now, what does he mean by a true European army? I I don't understand a false and a true European army. This is a big topic. Of course, the European Union depends on the U.S. and NATO for its defense. They have done in the past the EU military committee completely disjointed from, from NATO. As we once mentioned, the three-star generals meet for NATO one day of the week, and then they meet for the EU army another day of the week, and there's no overlap. There's, there's nothing that's working together. I know because one of them told me. And so there's a real concern. The European Union wants to go ahead and form an army, and this is the reasoning. This is the reasoning behind it, because 
ultimately the European Union and the trends that we're observing here in our broadcast, there is leading towards a complete political union. And so a military union is necessitates being part of a political union, but the European Union does things backwards. So we're coming from a non-democratic system. We've presented the open borders, free movements of people, capital, services, and goods, monetary union, now military union for the ultimate goal of political union. That's what's happening. Now, there's been talk about a joint intervention force or a rapid reaction force, which is uh, part of what an army would be. But a true European army would be separate. And there's really great concerns here because this would be something that would be in competition with NATO. Can the European Union pull that off? The chances are it would be very difficult. But the thing to note is that this is actually part of the essential element that leads towards political union. And this is more the reasoning behind such a move because they're wishing to go to political union. You know, it's interesting. We talk about first France offering a possible peace plan for the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Then we talk about a military operation for the European Union. Man, that fits into the end-time scenario. That is found in Bible prophecy, all focused on France and their participation. But before we get, and this looks like a report on president of France instead of the European Union. But before we leave that subject, Macron also praised a Nazi collaborator recently, and the Jews got very angry about this. Update us on that, if you will. Yes, President Macron, uh, there were celebrations for Armistice Day. Of course, uh, November 11th, this uh, marks the 100th year since the end of the First World War. And he actually took one of the French collaborators that was a leader in Nazi occupation and denoted him as a great soldier. So this kind of made my head swim a little bit. How could he knowingly do this? Would he follow sort of Jeremy Corbyn's steps where he feels this is a, you know, a beneficial political move? Or is it possibly he just doesn't realize? This is sort of a mystery. I trust it's not a new trend that he would do such a thing. But ultimately, again, as we focused on President Macron, you can be sure in the back of his mind there's something here that's dealing with his consolidation of power, possibly by just recognizing the leader and trying to be all-encompassing. He has specialists that work on his popularity, and so this probably is a way of broadening a support base, but in a very, very strange way. And again, this fits into that prophetic scenario, because if the European Union is, as we believe, the infrastructure for the revived Roman Empire, uh, that plays into how that will all be involved in bringing the world to a return of Jesus Christ as well. Well, I better touch on Brexit before we leave you, John. It looks like one of the board members has told the companies there in Great Britain to prepare for a no deal. Doesn't look like it's going to work out, does it? It's highly likely that there's no deal, but it's a scare tactic as well, which most likely would just turn out like Y2K, just sort of be a blip on the screen. Interestingly enough, this last week there was a leaked memo from 10 Downing Street detailing the time frame of a deal being announced. That was 
subsequently denied. So that's strange. But the process of Brexit now and the negotiations are coming down to just a few major issues right now. And so they are preparations for it. Another interesting twist, which we always find, is that the French commissioner and leading the Brexit, Michel Barnier, he's one of the people in contention to be the new European Union Commission president. So he is under pressure to have a deal because then it would advance his political career. He could be running the whole commission and then showing how things work between the United Kingdom and the EU. Well, this is indeed an ongoing story. No Brexit or no deal, whatever. John and I will stay on top of it for you. John Rood, our man covering the European Union. John, very important report, always interesting. Never a dull moment in the political arena in the European Union, which of course is setting the stage for the prophetic scenario to be played out in the end times. Thank you so much, John. Appreciate it. Talk again to you next week. Thank you so much. Very important report from John Rood. Always, when we look at the European Union, you've got to remember that is a foretaste of things to come, the infrastructure for the revived Roman Empire. Today, I believe, setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. John is a special broadcast partner for us right here on Prophecy Today. Now, here's a good friend of Prophecy Today. He's given me a lot of suggestions that have helped to improve our broadcast. He gave me the title for our 15-minute daily broadcast, Prophecy Today Intelligence Briefing. I'm carried on his radio network around the world and It's always a great joy for me to be able on Friday afternoons to join Brandon House in his hour broadcast that's broadcast across the nation around the world. And we want to talk about a conversation that he had earlier this week on his broadcast. Now, he he called me immediately and he said, what do you think about this? Man, I was amazed. I said, hey, we've got to talk about this on my broadcast. So Brandon is coming to this broadcast table to join me. Earlier the week, you were talking and with some experts and with some very important research that you did about the EMPs. Now, I want to take just a moment at the beginning to help our listeners understand what EMP is all about. Would you define that, please, for us, Brandon? Yes, sir. Electromagnetic pulse, an EMP. The best way that you can generate an EMP from the sun, solar flares can generate EMP. Our country has experienced EMP phenomena back in the 1800s from the sun, and it uh, lit up some of the uh, telegraph wires and burned them down across the country. Canada, a few years ago, had a blackout in part of their country due to EMP from the sun. So electromagnetic poles can occur from the sun. It also can be generated by man and by weapons. Most concerning would be the ability to launch a missile with a nuclear weapon on it, uh, detonated up above the uh, United States of America. They could do this off of a cargo ship. They could do this off of a, uh, a fishing vessel. They could do this off of a submarine. And, of course, they're selling the Club K cargo cars, uh, which look just like a regular cargo car, $10 million. You can get one out of Russia, Gulf Tainer. Their exporter of that is 100% Russian-owned. Uh, 100% Russian-owned, the exporter of the Club K car looks just like a cargo container on the back of a semi-truck or a railroad car or cargo ship, a freight liner with cargo ships, uh, you know, cargo containers on them. And yet, from the command of a satellite even, the lid will lift up and there are four 
silos uh, for four cruise missiles. And if one of those cruise missiles or all of them are uh, equipped with nuclear warheads, all they got to do is launch one of those missiles out of the Gulf of Mexico, uh, launch it up over the U.S., detonate it, and that would create an electromagnetic pulse. Now, it would not damage us as humans launching it and detonating it up high in the atmosphere, but the electromagnetic pulse would then be grabbed by the curvature of the Earth and would put down our power grid. If they did it up over the center of the U.S., it could take down all three power grids. If they did it on the East Coast, it could just impact the power grid on the East Coast. But if they take down the whole country, uh, we're back to the 1800s, and Congress has had numerous experts, including Dr. Graham, the leading scholar on this and scientist on this, uh, state that within one year, 90% of Americans would be dead from starvation, disease, and social unrest. So that's an EMP, and, and we just had it in our TV studio for two days. Dr. Peter Pry, former uh, chief of staff of the EMP Congressional Commission, and he left me with five books of his on this, and I began reading those. And understand, he was not writing them from a Christian perspective at all, zero, just from a scientific perspective of missiles and nuclear weapons and EMP. And so, but as I read these secular national security briefings, many of them coming out of the EMP Congressional Commission, I saw the prophecy that you have taught me and from my own study, and I said, oh, I have to call Dr. DeYoung. Because here we have a secular document, and these guys are writing on Bible prophecy without even knowing it. Absolutely. That's an amazing thought. Well, from your research, Brandon, who are the nations that have developed the most aggressive EMP warfare program? Well, in fact, we know this from, uh, again, the EMP Commission and some of the reports they put out that some Russian generals that they met with, 2004, the EMP Commission met with two Russian generals, Moscow's top strategic experts on EMP weaponry, and they disclosed that Russia has a decisive nuclear weapon or a super EMP warhead, according to the Congressional Commission. They also went on to say that North Korea is armed with a super EMP weapon. So these are not just EMP weapons. These are super EMP weapons. These are humongous. We're talking about so much, but also the ability to miniaturize things like the beach ball, as it's called, that Saddam Hussein's nuclear scientist was working on, whose family, by the way, is joint owners of the Gulf Tainer device I was explaining. So these super EMPs are so powerful that they could really do a lot of damage. And of course, we now know that North Korea has two satellites that orbit over the United States of America, coming over our U.S. borderland twice. These two satellites do come over our U.S. And if they are armed with uh, an EMP weapon, and Dr. Price says it's better than 50% chance one or both are, that's a real issue. So the biggest people with the most powerful EMP, although other nations have EMP, right now we know that North Korea and, and Russia both have super EMP weapons. And, of course, behind North Korea you have standing there uh, are Russia and China. I would imagine there are a number of nations who have made or are in the process of protecting their electrical grids and the infrastructure in their countries from these EMP attacks. Is that correct? Yes, and this is what caused me to pick up the phone sitting in my office reading these five books, and I was reading them and marking them up and flagging them with footnotes. And and as I began to read them and and, uh, collect information from the different books he had written, I noticed a puzzle, and the puzzle was Russia, China, North Korea, South Korea, the United Kingdom, Israel, and Taiwan all have plans for EMP protection. Some of them are at varying stages of their EMP protection. Some are very advanced in their EMP protection so that they could not be hit with an EMP and do the kind of catastrophic damage that can be done if you have not put precautions in place. 
So, again, those nations that have done it, I noticed a common theme. Many of them are listed in the end times. So no wonder they're surviving. you got Russia, China, North Korea, South Korea, United Kingdom, Israel, and Taiwan. Well, we know Russia is in the end times. We know the United Kingdom is in the end times. We know Israel's in the end times. Uh, I think you would say probably you also could have even China and some of these other nations mentioned. But certainly the big players that you see in Gog and Magog are mentioned as having EMP protection. Well, maybe this explains how they survive. But, Dr. DeYoung, there's a nation missing in Bible prophecy, and they also happen to be missing in their preparedness for EMP. Can you guess what nation that is? Uh, let me United States of America, you've told me already. Yes, indeed. The United States of America does not have EMP protections in place. Now, our military has been hardening some of its infrastructure. Our military has, and moving more and more of our military hardware that's critical uh, into Cheyenne Mountain, according to news reports. But as far as on, on a civil level, we have so many thousands of uh, power companies, they're not w- willing to work as they should with Congress to get this done. They also have a very strong lobbying arm. So America is, is not aggressively working, nor do we have in plan, uh, put in place a plan to harden our grid. This is what the EMP Commission was all about. This is what's frustrating so many people, is the lack of desire by the power companies and members of Congress to take this seriously. In fact, during the Obama administration, the Obama administration would not even renew the EMP Commission's funding and would, was even forbidding that any of the members work for free. They were willing to work for free. So you have to wonder, what was Obama's desire to have our enemies hardening their grid, gaining super EMP weaponry, while we're left vulnerable with no protection at all? And the cost of doing this would be about $2 billion. We could harden the grid over about two years for $2 billion, and the EMP Commission says you're talking about the uh, electrical bill, the average rate payer would increase by 20 cents annually, 20 cents annually for the average rate payer to harden the grid for that $2 billion. So, again, maybe America is not listening in the last days because we have been taken out by an EMP, which many of these nations have boasted they want to do. If you go and read some of the Russian defense manuals, they've openly boasted about what is called Pearl Harbor 2.0. Pearl Harbor 2.0. Some of Russia's own defense journals now are boasting about using a Club K cargo container system, getting them on our rivers, getting them on freighters, trains. And, of course, now we know that Russia has uh, bought 50% of Venezuela's petroleum company, Sidco. They have 48 oil refineries here in the U.S., oil terminals, 48 oil terminals here in the U.S., up and down the eastern seaboard, and three oil refineries. So Russia now owns 50% of those here in the U.S., uh, this Venezuelan company here in the U.S. So now they have cause to bring in cargo containers with the Club K missile system inside south as a Trojan horse and drop them down up and down the eastern seaboard at 48 oil terminals or those three refineries in Louisiana, Texas, or northern Illinois. And yet they're boasting in their military journals about staging this kind of strike, including hitting us off our coast and the Gulf with our ships in port for Pearl Harbor 2.0. This is very, very dangerous. It, 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 two former CIA officers are in our TV studio, Claire Lopez, Peter Pry, uh, former Department of Homeland Security officer Phil Haney, for Friday night, all day Saturday last week, with a briefing we were doing. And they believe this is one of the most clear and present existential threats facing our nation. Absolutely. And it does play into the end-time scenario for Bible prophecy. Since America is not listed in Bible prophecy, I want you to understand this could be a way. We're not saying absolutely this is going to happen, but it could be a way 
to take America off the scene and for the rest of the prophetic scenario to unfold. Brandon, thank you. Folks, you understand why I wanted Brandon on the broadcast with us today. You needed to hear this information. So, Brandon, thank you so much. Hey, buddy, we'll see you on the radio real soon. Thank you, sir. Okay, it's time right now for us to set aside this portion of the program for Prophecy Q&A. Jim Jr. has received your questions. He's going to give it to me, and I'll endeavor to answer it from the Word of God. Jim? Catherine Mal sends in a question. Is God warning the world that judgment is coming through all the disasters? They seem to come more often and are more intense. Would these be birth pains? You know, Catherine, I've got to tell you, these so-called disasters are actually God's plan for each and every one of us on this earth. Everything that happens, you may think it's a natural disaster. You may think a tornado has come. We were just down in Prattsville, Alabama. That's not very far from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, where it was a major disaster when the tornadoes went into that college town where the University of Alabama is. And uh, one of the pastors there at uh, the Heritage Baptist Church in Prattville was going to take a group of young people. They were going to go over to Tuscaloosa and see what they could do to help these people that have been devastated. God brought that into existence. In the eighth chapter of the book of Genesis, it talks about after the flood is over, cold and hot will be present. Summer, winter, spring, and fall would be present. So when cold and hot hit together, and I'm not a a prognosticator, a weather prognosticator, but I know enough that when cold and hot gets together in our atmosphere, that causes the winds, the rainstorms, the thunderstorms, and the tornadoes, and even the hurricanes and the typhoons over there in the Far East. So all of these things are from God. It's, I believe, for getting our attention. I was talking with my wife, Judy, about this as we were driving Over near Joplin, Missouri, we went into Springfield for a meeting, but on our way, we traveled through Joplin, Missouri, another location that was hit with this uh, tornadic activity, a terrible disaster there. Many lives were lost, etc. And uh, you know what she said to me? She said, wow. She said, now all of us realize we are not as independent as we thought. We must rely upon the Lord. The Lord has a plan. Look, everybody who was killed, the Lord knew one of two things. They were saved, and they were going to be forever with him. And what's greater? We all get scared to death of death. Look, what's on the other side? We're going to walk into the presence of Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. at death. In fact, we don't even walk along. The angels, Luke 16, gather us up and take us into his presence. But the other side of that coin is the Lord in his omniscience, not because he makes it happen, but because he knows all things, there are going to be people that are going to be lost and not receive Christ as Lord and Savior. So at what time in history does it matter when they go? God wants to grab our attention. He wants everybody to look to him and get our eyes off the mundane things of this world, the desires, the ambitions, the attitudes, the attractions that we have on this world, and look to him. And sometimes he has to get our attention, and sometimes he does it with these things that we have seen unfolding recently. She asked a question about birth pains. You don't see these as birth pains. What would be the birth pains? Well, it's talking there. You've got to look at what the Word of God has to say. Again, Matthew chapter 24. Uh, The Lord gives us some information. He actually gave it to his disciples on the Mount of Olives. That's called the Olivet Discourse, recorded in Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke chapter uh, 21. 
it's talking about the deception. That's what he mentions first in verses 4, 5, 11, and 24 of Matthew 24. Then he talks about in verse 6, wars and rumors of wars. And verse 7, he talks about kingdom against kingdom and nation against nation. He brings in famine. He brings in pestilence, which would be death. He, he talks about earthquakes and diverse places. And that is what he refers to as the birth pangs. That's the indication that he is getting ready to come back to the earth. That'll be a seven-year period of time leading up to his return. And those items that I've just mentioned to you, those indicators that he's about to come, happen at the beginning. Everything you read in Matthew 24, verses 4 through 7, is detailed over in the book of Revelation, chapter 6, when it's talking about the sealed judgment. Exact same indicators of what will be happening in that period of time. That's the beginning of the birth pangs. That's what it's talking about. What we do see here happening in some of these natural disasters is simply grabbing our attention. I want to tell you something, Jimmy. Mm -hmm. The Lord spared our home. You know that. He spared our property. We have 10 acres, just a wooded, beautiful area. He took down some of our trees. I think uh, Ricky told me about uh, 40 of our trees were destroyed. Some very big old trees taken down. He also uh, allowed the tornado to destroy our barn. That's going to have to be refixed and put back up again. But our home was never touched. And what the Lord has done to me, he got my attention. I wasn't here when this happened. Uh, some of our children, Leslie, Jody, and Rick, our other children were here. You were out in San Antonio. But uh, every moment, almost of every day, and I said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you. I come into the house. Thank you, Lord. Now, the Lord may decide to take it away next week or tonight. I, I don't know. But he's caused me, he got my attention to give thanks unto him. I hadn't been thankful enough. And I think that's the way the Lord works in these days in which we're living. And, of course, those are going to be precursors as well. Not the birth pangs talked about in Matthew 24, but precursors of what's going to happen during that period to come, which if you know Christ as Lord and Savior, you will not have to go through. Thank you, Catherine, for that question. And thank you, Dad, for that answer from God's Word. It is in God's Word that we find the answers and how we are to live in this world today. It's also in studying God's Word where we find the hope for the future, the hope that's within us, each and every single one of us. We're going to have to take a break, and when we come back, Dr. DeYoung will be talking to David James in Israel. That's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today Weekend. Hi, everybody. Jimmy DeYoung here in Washington, D.C. We move into the last half hour of our program that is designed to help the listener understand how Bible prophecy is in place to be fulfilled because of the current events that we compare to the prophetic scenario that is found in God's Word. So glad to have you along. want to tell you we're here in Washington as we are producing a DVD documentary entitled The United States in Bible Prophecy. We're going to have some great interviews, some insight you maybe have never thought about, and we'll answer the question, is the United States in Bible Prophecy, or has the Lord brought America into existence for facilitating how the world will be set on a stage ready to fulfill the prophetic scenario that is found in God's Word? Well, let me give you the poll question. Please go to my website, prophecytoday.com. 
com. On the homepage, left-hand column, you'll find this question. With today being November the 10th, the 80th anniversary of Kristallnacht, which was the beginning of the Jewish Holocaust back in 1938, could we be ignoring the signs, the rise of anti-Semitism, and be approaching another Holocaust as foretold in Zechariah chapter 13 and verse 8. Now that's my poll question. Go to my website, prophecytoday.com. On the home page, left-hand column, if you scroll down, you'll find the question. Please answer it for us. We now bring to these microphones David James. David is joining me here at the broadcast table for the purpose of looking at a particular issue. There was a former pastor and a GOP candidate for a House of Representatives seat in North Carolina. Well, he won the seat. And I wanted to talk to David about a statement that man made concerning the only solution for peace in Israel. And since David is in Israel, I thought it'd be a great platform from which we can talk about what one trip to Israel meant to this representative in the United States Congress. David, I guess we catch you there in Israel this week, and you've traveled from Jerusalem down the Jordan Valley, and you're now on the Red Sea in a lot. Well, let me ask you, how's this experience leading your first tour to the land of the Bible? You know, one of the things that I could say winds my clock about being a Bible teacher anywhere around the world and why I do it is to see things come together for students that I'm teaching. And I tell you, it's been a great learning experience for me. I've been teaching the Bible for 30 years, and I still have learned a lot on this trip. I know that for sure. I've been doing it for now almost 30 years myself. And it is a blessing every time I go to Israel to have that great classroom to teach the prophetic Word of God. And I've got to tell you, going over to Petra, that's going to be a wonderful experience for you and the tour group as you go there to Petra, one of the most unique cities. It's fact, it's one of the seven wonders of the world. I hope you have a good time. Well, just prior, David, to the midterm elections, one of Israel's major news outlets, Haaretz, published a negatively toned article concerning a GOP candidate for a U.S. House seat in the United States Congress. He's from North Carolina. And because of his comments that he made after a trip to Israel several years ago, they were pretty much upset about it. Explain what that's talking about. Well, we're talking about Mark Harris, and I'd just like to share with our listeners some of the things uh, that are really interesting about Mark Harris. He was the senior pastor of the First Baptist Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, and resigned last year to run for the U.S. House, which, as you mentioned, he won in the 9th District just this past week. He also has a master's and a doctorate from Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, which is a school that Paige Patterson turned around from the moderate Southern Baptist to a conservative Southern Baptist. And so he certainly made statements that I think you and I would agree with. And it was a trip, as you mentioned, one of his trips to Israel, I think maybe his first trip to Israel, that really made a tremendous impact on him. Can you give us a feel for some of what Mark Harris said as a pastor about that trip to Israel and how it impacted his thinking, but also and his life and ministry and how this was characterized by CNN? 
Well, I sure can give a very exact idea of what he said because it was actually quoted uh, not only by CNN but in the Israeli outlet that you mentioned. He said this after his trip, you cannot be in that land as powerful and as moving as it is without realizing the incredible tension that is constantly in that land between the Palestinians and the Jews. And then he went on to say this, there will never be peace in Jerusalem until the day comes that every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And then he went on to say that no Jewish or Muslim resident of Jerusalem could find peace unless they accepted Jesus Christ. And then he also went on to say, Jesus, when he went into Jerusalem, said, I'm the vine, I'm the true vine. And then he said, until those who are called in Islam realize that, until those who are called in Judaism realize that, and for that matter, though, until those who are caught up in the religion of Christianity and are missing the personal relationship with Jesus Christ realize that, there will never be peace in their soul or peace in their city. Those are some incredible statements by this uh, man of God who is now in the U.S. Congress. That's absolutely right, David, and Pastor Mark Harris, or, or should I say Congressman Mark Harris, was right on target teaching the Word of God. David, as you and I have discussed so many times on this program, Harris made it exactly right concerning both the peace of individuals and the peace of Israel and Jerusalem, and that it will only come through the person of Jesus Christ. That's exactly right. And one of the things that I did not mention in answering your question, the last part of your question was how his statement was characterized by CNN. What Haret quoted was saying that CNN also found multiple other instances of Harris making Islamophobic remarks. Now, these were not Islamophobic remarks. They were not against the nation of Israel. In fact, no one could be more for the nation of Israel than someone who wants to see the Jewish people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. The same is true of those in Islam, and the same is true for those who are part of the Christendom around the world that have not heard the gospel and don't understand what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ uh, because of his shed blood on the cross and his resurrection. Just as peace can only come to individuals through Jesus Christ, there will not be peace in Jerusalem, in the Middle East, or actually anywhere on this earth until Christ returns, as described in Revelation 19, when he returns to set up his kingdom with its headquarters actually there on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, where we just were today. David, you and I also know that the stage is being set, and the world is being prepared for a massive deception concerning a false peace that will be brought about by a coming world leader. That's exactly right. This person is described in some places in the scriptures as the Antichrist, as I mentioned in the opening there. Uh, he's also described in Revelation 13 as the beast from the sea. In Second Thessalonians chapter 2, he is referred to as a man of lawlessness and the son of perdition. And in Daniel chapter 9 and Matthew 24, he is referred to as the abomination that causes desolation. And uh, he will, according to Daniel, Daniel chapter 9, after the rapture of the church, he will put together a peace treaty, which I believe is designed to protect Israel 
from her Islamic enemies, and he will bring lying wonders and deceive the world into perhaps actually believing, many actually believing that he is the true Savior, but he will offer a false peace that he will make clear that it's a false peace because halfway through the seven-year tribulation period, he will break that treaty with Israel and turn on the nation and become the worst enemy that they've ever had. So from a biblical perspective, David, how would you lay out a likely general scenario for what the world is rushing towards so quickly as the stage is being set for fulfilled prophecy with both the false and the true peace that lies ahead? One of the things that I've heard you say so many times, and I've actually adopted it into my teaching as well, the phrase that the next event on God's prophetic calendar is the rapture of the church, described in First Thessalonians chapter 4 and in First Corinthians chapter 15, where all believers in Christ from the day of Pentecost until that moment, those who are dead in Christ will be caught up to meet Him in the air, those of us who may be alive or those who are alive and remain till He comes in the air will be caught up and taken back to heaven with Him as God's wrath is poured out upon the earth during what is called Daniel's 70th week. Before Daniel's 70th week starts, the Roman Empire will be revived, as described in Daniel chapter 2 in the interpretation of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. The Antichrist will rise up out of that revived Roman Empire to a position of world power. He will make that treaty to protect Israel from her Islamic enemies, and what I will believe will be the vacuum created by the collapse of Israel's only protector in the world, and that is the United States. Halfway through that seven-year period, he'll break that treaty. Uh, He will go after the nation of Israel. God will protect that nation, uh, the nation of Israel, in what Petra will be tomorrow. At the midpoint of the tribulation, the Antichrist will go into the rebuilt temple and declare himself to be God and will be waging all-out war against the inhabitants of the earth. During that three-and-a-half-year period that is left before Christ returns, God will continue to pour out judgments upon the earth. Christ will touch down on the Mount of Olives, as described in Revelation 19 and Zechariah 14. He will go to the Jezreel Valley and defeat all of the armies of the world and be ready to set up his kingdom for 1,000 years on this earth. That is what is coming. That is what is ahead. And that's what people must be ready for. They must be ready for it. And it's absolute because it's biblical. It's prophetic truth that will be fulfilled. David, you and I both have a great concern about how we can share in telling people how they can be ready for death which can happen, of course, to any of us at any moment. We're only a heartbeat away from death. However, if you're alive and on this earth when the rapture does take place, we want to be able to help you understand the coming deception of the Antichrist, which David has alluded to here, and the coming wrath of God against this world. David, talk to us about this. That's right. Well, there was a religious leader in Israel named Nicodemus in John chapter 3 who came to Jesus at night asking about the coming kingdom of God, and Jesus said, no one can know and enter the kingdom of God unless he is born again. And we are born again. We have our sins forgiven and receive the free gift of eternal life by hearing, understanding, believing the gospel, that is, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God himself, came to this earth 
to be a man, to be the perfect sacrifice and sin offering for our sins. And on the third day, he arose from the grave so that salvation is a package deal, forgiven sin on the basis of his shed blood and eternal life on the basis of his resurrection. And if somebody places their faith and trust in Christ, they can know for certain that they have a home with the Lord when they die, and they will avoid the tribulation period or if they actually enter into it, they need to understand that they need to trust in Christ for salvation. My dear friend, if you've been eavesdropping on this conversation, that is the pure gospel truth. Now, if you did not get all of it, I would suggest you go to my website, prophecytoday.com, go to PTRN, and re-listen to this interview, and especially that part on how to trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Excellent job on giving the gospel, David, and a great job on talking about the victory for Mark Harris, both as being able to stand up as a pastor and teach the truth, and then now become a member representing the North Carolina District in Charlotte, and he's in the House of Representatives that's located right here where we are in Washington, D.C., producing our documentary on the United States in Bible prophecy. Remember to pray for us, if you will. David, sounds like you're having a great time. I'm sure the tour group is enjoying it and learning so much as you are their teacher and their guide as well. Thank you for doing that ministry for us here on Prophecy Today. Have a great time in Petra. We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks so much, Jimmy. It's always great to spend some time with you. We're going to take a break right here, and then we're going to take a look at the book, open the Bible ourselves, and talk about what the broadcast partners had to say and how it fits into God's prophetic word, a prophetic perspective on the news. That's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. Hey everyone, this is Dave James with the Alliance for Biblical Integrity. You hear me each week discussing current theological issues with Jimmy DeYoung on the Prophecy Today weekend broadcast. We founded the Alliance for Biblical Integrity because we saw a need for an apologetics and discernment ministry that would be an important resource for local churches, schools, and ministry organizations that face ever-changing theological challenges in today's world. I teach many different courses and seminars in the United States and around the world and can tailor the seminars for Sunday schools, Bible studies, and church services, and the courses for weekend conferences of 6 to 10 hours. For more information, you can go to the ABI website at biblicalintegrity.org. That's one word, biblicalintegrity.org, and click on Courses and Seminars on the main menu. You can also contact me personally through the contact page on the ABI website. I look forward to hearing from you. Just how close are we to the rapture of the church? Do events taking place in the Middle East and around the world have prophetic significance? In his latest book, Sound the Trumpets, Jimmy DeYoung examines these questions and explains just how near the rapture of the church could possibly be. By comparing four trends from prophetic scripture to current events taking place in the world today, Jimmy shows that the stage is set. Every actor is in place, and the curtain is about to go up on the end-time scenario set forth in the scriptures. Sound the Trumpets is a must-read for every serious student of Bible prophecy. 
To order your copy of Jimmy DeYoung's new book, Sound the Trumpets, for only $15, call us today at 8-PROPHECY-8. That's 877-674-3298. Or visit us on the World Wide Web at prophecytoday.com. Call today and make sure to get your copy of Sound the Trumpets. Have you ever wanted to visit Israel and trace the footsteps of Jesus? Hi, I'm Jimmy DeYoung Jr., and along with VCY America, I'm excited to announce our upcoming trip March 13th through the 22nd, 2019. Imagine what it would be like to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. We're going to look at Israel past, present, and future. The Bible will come alive as you see places such as the shepherd's fields, Capernaum, the Garden of Gethsemane, and the Garden Tomb. You'll even experience an exciting boat ride on the Sea of Galilee. You'll visit each site with Bible in hand as we take the time not only to visit the site, but to help you understand their importance to our biblical heritage and our prophetic future. We will place special emphasis on the eternal city of Jerusalem, the most important city in the world, and a place where Jesus will rule and reign one day. Call Joshua Travel today, 423-821-3635, to find out more about our VCY America Prophecy Today Israel trip, March 13th through the 22nd. It's time right now here on Prophecy Today for us to take a look at the book. Today on Prophecy Today weekend, all of our broadcast partners shared important reports on current events around the world. Now, these reports are based on a biblical prophetic world view. For example, Ken Timmerman, he was in southern France. He talked about Donald Trump reimposing sanctions on Iran and how that is going to impact the Iranian decision to spend all of those monies that they received back from the United States in the Iranian nuclear deal so that they could continue to finance terrorism around the world and develop their nuclear weapon of mass destruction, a nuclear weapon. David Dolan gave us his Middle East news update. We talked about replacement theology. I'll get into that in just a moment. It is key as we look at the rise in anti-Semitism, both in the United States and in particular in the European Union. I'll talk about how that is a very important understanding you need to have to see why these events are unfolding in our world. John Rood gave us his European Union update. We talked about France is ready to offer a peace plan that may resolve the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. They're only ready to do that should the United States fail in their peace plan. Brandon House joined us to talk about EMPs, an electric magnetic pulse that could destroy 90% of Americans in the United States should it happen. You've got to go back if you did not hear that, come to a better understanding of how that could happen. By the way, that may be the answer to why the United States is not in Bible prophecy. Jim Jr. joined us at the broadcast table with a question from one of our listeners, and I would suggest if you have a question you'd like us to answer, send that question to Jim Jr. at prophecytoday.com. And then my conversation with David James, very interesting article in an Israeli newspaper where they said the pastor of the First Baptist Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, 
who was running for the United States Congress, but made many statements that included prophetic truth in them, one saying that there would never be peace in the Middle East until the Messiah, Jesus Christ, comes back. All of these interviews with my broadcast partners can be heard at my website. Go to the website, prophecytoday.com. Go to PTRN, Prophecy Today Radio Network, and there you'll be able to listen to them and tell a friend how they can hear these interviews as well. Right now, though, in our time of taking a look at the book, I want to discuss Crystal Knock. Now, that is a special day in the history of the Jewish people, a 4,000-year-old history. Today is Kristallnacht across the world, November the 10th, and it was 80 years ago in 1938 on November the 10th when that actually happened. I want to tell you there is a reason for Kristallnacht, and by the way, that's a German word that means the night of the glass. That was the night when SS Nazi stormtroopers went through the streets of Germany, breaking the glass windows and doors in buildings, homes, schools, stores, synagogues, etc. They did that on that night, and the Jewish people recognized that, actually, as the technical beginning of the time of the Holocaust. Eighty years ago, this all came about. I do believe at that time, and even at this time, we see a reason for this possibility of a repeat in history, and it is the rise of anti-Semitism. It's on the rise here in America, but especially in the European Union. Synagogues are being built like fortresses today to be able to protect the Jewish worshipers in synagogues, and that same philosophy is moving here to America. And it has to be related because of the teaching in the churches of replacement theology. Now, what is that? Well, these people believe that the church has replaced Israel and God's plan for the Jewish people. They believe all the promises made to Israel now apply to the church. That is very anti-Semitic, and there's several think tanks in Israel, plus many rabbis who recognize that as well. And their understanding comes from Zechariah chapter 13 and verse 8. That refers to a second holocaust, the dastardly act of killing Jewish people. And this prophetic passage in Zechariah says that two out of every three Jews will be killed in the future. Remember at the first holocaust, starting in 1938, It was one out of every three Jews killed. At that time, 18 million Jews, 6 million of them were killed. The next Holocaust will be worse than the first when two out of every three Jews will be killed at that time. By the way, that was foretold by the ancient prophet Moses. He said in Deuteronomy 28, if you don't obey me, you're going to be scattered and you'll be scattered to a terrible time in Jewish history. Well, Kristallnacht is a day we need to remember because it is telling us in past history how future prophecy is going to be fulfilled. But let me remind you, all the things we talked about with my broadcast partners and this look at Kristallnacht is all evidence of what will happen after the rapture of the church. And that rapture 
is the next event on God's calendar of activities. No other prophecies will be fulfilled until after the rapture. And having said that, there's nothing left for me to say, except let's keep looking up until... Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Jay Johnson inviting you to join us again next week for more of Prophecy Today.